Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. The Lakers had their first win of the season, 121-118, in a super exciting game uh, against Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. Carmelo Anthony with a big milestone. Russell Westbrook has his best game as a Laker. Lots to break down. We'll do it next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday. We got this thing up for you. Really appreciate all of the support we've been getting. Uh, again, if you're you don't have, you're up early, listen to this thing. We we get it up as close to midnight on the West Coast as we can. So, Andy, on Sunday night, the Lakers. Uh, they've said they're not frustrated, that they're not pushing past it. They really wanted to win on Sunday. You could tell that the fact that they hadn't won was starting to bug them. And uh, they 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 got one, 121-118 over the Memphis Grizzlies Sunday night at home uh, at the Staples Center. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't uniformly pretty, but it was a win against a team that's playing well, and I think everybody will take it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned before the idea of wanting that win and the frustration. Friday's loss, uh, 48 hours before that against Phoenix, it's not just that they lost the game by a pretty good margin. From about the second quarter onward, this is a veteran team that lost their composure over and over and overthrow. I mean, and not just AD and Dwight Howard having that scuffle, you know, on the sideline where AD put his hands on Dwight and they had to be separated. It was over a blown coverage. Um, you know, they said they squashed it all, whatever. But the 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 point being, though, that wasn't even the only time oh, God, where they no. lost their composure. They were constantly bitching at the refs. They were constantly complaining about no calls. Uh, I mean, look, they, 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 you had the sequence where LeBron didn't even cross half court for like an hour because he was so angry about a non-call. Right. And, and that, to, yeah. that to me, you know, in terms of Friday and then comparing to Sunday's win, but also to like the idea of them recognizing we need to get on the positive side of things, that's not – it's one thing to lose and they're still at a stage where they're figuring things out. It's another thing to be as experienced as these guys are and frankly lose your shit that early on in a game. And they had a really in-depth, long film session on Saturday that everybody said, yeah, it was necessary. And there were a lot more positives in this win on Sunday, however imperfect at times, uh, and it was really good to see. It felt like an incremental step forward. And and I think, you know, and we'll get to spend a little more time on kind of the what this is going to look like here in a second. And obviously a lot more time on Carmelo Anthony, who had a huge, huge night uh, for the Lakers uh, and himself in terms of personal milestones. But just to, you know, kind of elaborate, I think, on what you're saying, like I was worried that, in the second half, the Lakers played a really good first half, the best half of basketball I think they played um, in the three games. Memphis made, though, a little bit of a run. You know, at the end of the first half, they took you know a 10-point lead and it got it down to like six or whatever it was at halftime, killed a little bit of that momentum and did some stuff. And then over the course of the second half, you know, Memphis, they, Memphis took a lead. Memphis, you know, got like a lot of stuff was happening where in in my mind I was like, are they going to hold up? 
you know, how are they going to respond? Are they going to get a stop when they need it? Are they going to be able to find a bucket when they need it? And to lose this game would, I mean, it's the third game of the season. I'm sure every, you and hopefully others understand. I'm not saying it's over, It's but to lose this game would build in a negative way on what happened on Friday. And, and you know, because you're not being able, you're, you're not responding like the way you want, you're not able to execute in the, in the stretch, whatever it might be. But instead they got buckets. They weren't always the best way of doing it. Um, and they weren't necessarily things you would want to rely on. The Lakers went nuclear nuke. It's pronounced nuclear. Uh, I, I can't say the word, but you know, Carmelo Anthony hit six of his eight threes. They hit 10, three pointers in the second half. Um, you know, you know, before the fourth quarter was even done. Like these are not things you want to rely on. Some of these were really difficult shots, but they got some buckets and they got some stops. I, I, it was a good and Memphis is a good team. Like yeah, I'm okay. Memphis is a Memphis is a good team. John Morant had a 40 point 10 assist night. He was absolutely unstoppable in this game. I actually felt really bad for him because he had the opportunity uh to put the Lakers in, in I mean to put the Grizzlies in a tie situation. He got fouled by Kent Bazemore really late with uh on a 3 and he hit the first two free throws, missed the third and I was like, "Man, I'm torn between wanting the Lakers to win, but right. not wanting this for job. I mean, he's he is maybe my favorite young player in the league. He oh, he's, so he's insanely he's insanely entertaining. Yeah, he's fearless. He is fun. I like. I, he's one of the few guys that like. I'm not even going future Laker on hashtag future Laker. Like, I want that dude to stay in Memphis, help build that team up, get all the local giraffes at the zoo. Like, I, I want everything. For him because he's awesome. The, like the Lakers turned the ball over 18 times. They got crushed on the boards 49 to 36. In particular, they allowed Memphis to get a lot of second chances. Um, and that's something I know we're going to end up talking about either uh, in this show or Certainly tomorrow's over show. Yeah, you know, whether on this one or through the course of the, the week. The I mean, rebounding and, you know, sort of what you expect to get, don't get um, at times from DeAndre and Dwight. Like there were a lot of things the Lakers had to overcome, but at the same time, you mentioned what Melo did uh, during this game. 28 points off the bench, led all Lakers in scoring. Uh, Anthony Davis's defense was at times insane. Like it was DPOY. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, like that was that level. Like you, we've talked about like what does it look like when he cranks it up to the making plays on the perimeter with recovery blocks and steals and all this other stuff. And, and you know, to to that point, Andy, like to some degree, this is what it's going to require for the Lakers to beat good teams, at least. Or hopefully, it's not required. You know, when they play Houston a couple times in Oklahoma City and even San Antonio um, on Tuesday. But you know, Anthony Davis, who was really good throughout, period, was transcendent defensively at the end. I'm not relying on Carmelo Anthony to hit twenty, get twenty eight points, hit six of eight. But tonight, you know, Sunday night, he was. Excellent. They got excellent individual performances to kind of push them over and overcome the aspects of the team game that still aren't working and aren't shouldn't be expected to be working yet. If they can do that, again, you know, steal some games against good teams, they'll win enough that they're not going to bury themselves in the standings. It's not going to be problematic. But, you know, it's not ideal, but that's kind of where they are right now, where they need the talent to overcome some of the structural things that they're just not there yet. 
look, they built this team, let's be honest, like a bunch of star effers. And this is an organization that their DNA for largely better, but occasionally worse, depending which seasons you're talking about, they have a star effort DNA. And we talked about how when they traded for Russell Westbrook, you there is an upside that you can imagine, but they made this more complicated, arguably, than necessary. As, as you put it, it's the equivalent of that's a lot of house. Like they, they, the, the house that the Lakers are looking to build this season is an awful lot of house and arguably. Right. Can you furnish it in time? Can you can you make it good for entertaining? Like, but, there's a lot to do. But to your point, though, in terms of having to rely on star performances, and there were elements of superstar moments from Anthony Davis on both sides of the ball, from LeBron at times on both sides of the ball, even Russell Westbrook as a playmaker, he had four steals. You bring in superstars specifically to give you superstar moments. Like that's the whole point. And, you know, at times you're going to feel too reliant on them and you're going to wonder if it's sustainable and maybe it won't be. But on the other hand, again, that is why you bring them in in the first place. That is yeah. why these guys, you know, are basically a, you know, a three-man luxury tax. You know, I mean, like that's right, which, why it's, it's the reason it. that it's the reason that you have nine new players on the team is yeah. because you have to fill everything else yes. or a nine or ten or whatever it is. But in theory, that's why you do it. That's why it's worth it. All right. So you know, look, let's let's stick on Russ here because Russ is indicative of of one of the things um, that did you know that that you do feel a little bit better coming out of this game is it's the best that he's played of the three. Um, and uh, admittedly low bar to clear, I understand that, but they, you know, they did some different things with him that showed some potential. They, they did a couple different things with the, the lineup that, uh, showed some potential in terms of, uh, finding more meaningful minutes for Austin Reeves. Uh, and obviously we're going to talk a lot about mellow before the show's over. We'll do all that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by prize picks, NBA fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? It is Daily fantasy made easy. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes per game. Everybody that deposits and uses the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant match up to 100 bucks. That is a sweet sweet deal. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Price Picks also allows mixed sports entries. You can get the over on LeBron, whatever, combined with the under for Mahomes, whatever. Definitely want to take the under for Mahomes. Yeah, both of those things actually, like, <laughs> the over on LeBron feels like a bad... Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, I'm... I'm Saying that specifically because I know Brian has Mahomes on his fantasy team and we're competing against you this weekend, so trying to Yuck. rub that in a little bit. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your App Store today. Prize Picks, daily fantasy made easy. Hey, does this sound familiar to you, Andy? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the other stuff. 
I'm going to tell you, Andy, about a way to get your TV together without all the hassle. It's much more simple. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible device is required and content varies by package. Um, Russell Westbrook, Andy, you mentioned the, the stats, 13 points, 13 assists, nine, uh, uh, four steals. He had seven rebounds. He did turn the ball over nine times. Um, so, it, you know, again, it's not perfect what we're talking about here. He just he wants was, to match his preseason glory. That's right. And he was 515 uh, from the floor. So, again, we got a lot of room between uh, where Westbrook is now where he was on Sunday, even in what looked like his best game, and where the Lakers hope he can be. But that said, um, I thought in the first half particularly, they found more ways to get him going downhill. Uh, Westbrook was, much, I think, much more comfortable as a distributor. Um, they pushed much better, uh, particularly early, um, you know, into that, the end of that first quarter, into the second, and, and allowing Russ to do what he does best, which is get the team moving quicker. Um, and so he had his best moments, I think, as a Laker on Sunday. Um, lo- again, lots of room to grow, but at least was encouraging. Yeah, th- this was the most comfortable, I think, Russ has looked over the three regular season games that they've had. And I thought incrementally, you know, before Phoenix, when everybody, again, just started losing their composure, Russ included, you know, though I did joke that Friday it almost felt like, okay, Russ is feeling comfortable because he got a, a technical, you know, that that you almost wonder if that's him just feeling more like himself because Russ gets a ton of them. But he started looking, I think, more like Russell Westbrook, albeit a version that still isn't quite there. One thing, though, that I did notice that, that's been good for a team that, you know, ultimately they are built to have their strengths in the paint, you know, not just purely in transition, but looking to set up baskets there. He is so far, I think not just the best among the playmakers at setting up big men or other guys just at the basket. He's the guy that looks to do it the most. Well, yeah, like look, I mean Westbrook's Westbrook has a history of making very effective uh you know providing very good numbers and effective play to relatively ordinary centers. Like Right. But I mean you know, you, you, guys and you know add him to AD Right, and, I mean, and you know, he's, work. he set up AD inside, but he also had successful setups for DeAndre Jordan inside. Yep. He had a really good uh, bounce pl- a bounce pass setup for Dwight that that got him an and one opportunity. Like he looks for that a lot, and you know, doing that stuff, you know, by definition means you're doing it in tight quarters. That's going to sometimes means turnovers. You know, he's also a guy like LeBron that will look for the home run pass, and sometimes the home run pass will get you a turnover. So you yep. know he. He and LeBron both need to be careful, you know, for a team that's looking to go run and transition as much as possible. Like, you got to make sure that you are picking your spots well, because this is not a team that you want having to get back in transition defense all the time. Like, that's no. going to kill them. Well, I mean, the, in the second half, the part of the reason that that the Lakers were not nearly as effective as they were, you know, in their best moments. The first is they couldn't run like the, 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 the numbers in this game were bizarre and the, you know, the Lakers dominated, dominated 
uh, the first half in points in the paint. They dominated in part because they were dominating in fast break points. All of that flipped in the second half, which is part of the reason I thought they were going to lose, to be perfectly honest, uh, that they would let this game get away is because they they were so half court heavy and they haven't been very good. But they, you know, they were just, you know, between Mello and Malik Monk hit one and Kent Bazemore hit a miracle three, you know, with a you know, hand in his face at the end of the shot clock. And like they really couldn't miss. They hit over 50% of their threes on the night. Um, and that kept them afloat when they needed it, and then Anthony Davis with some spectacular defense. But the, the, the other thing that I, that I do think, if you're trying to find you know sort of silver linings with Russ early, is that while the efficiency is terrible, he's shooting 35% from the floor, the volume is about where you want it. By the way, do you know what he's shooting from three-point percentage? Uh, 30-something? Nine. Oh, wow. Okay. Nine. I guess, I guess the makes just really stand out. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. I believe the word you're looking for is make. Mm. Um, I'll go back and look at the game log. No, I you're pro- I, you know what? You're probably right. I only I, I, I literally just happened to click here's, on that. Here's button. what it was. Brian. I didn't realize it was that bad either. This is what this is the thing. And I just I, I can just full, you know, full disclosure. This is why how I ended up with 30 something. It felt like you were setting me up for a trick question. Like, no, you know, yeah. he's, he's shooting only 30 something percent from the field, but you but, know, but, but you know what? It's 35%. Right. No, like no. I thought we were getting like a Malik Monk thing where like Malik Monk shoots in the low forties from the field, but also shoots low forties from behind. Right the now, like, the, the, like LeBron yeah. tonight shot well from three point range, yeah. inefficient overall. Yeah. He's one four eleven. Okay. Yeah. Nine, <laughs> but like, but overall, <laughs> but like overall the efficiency in his, in his shooting is obviously terrible. Like, even by Russell Westbrook standards, thirty six percent is not going to cut it, and nine percent from three point. No, he, he is struggling in particular elevate. to finish. He yes, really absolutely, and that it, that can be its own worrying thing. But the volume is about what you, you know, like. It's been thirteen, fifteen, fifteen, and I understand Lakers fans would love to see that maybe drop a little bit, and it might over the course of the season. But Russell Westbrook, if you have Russell Westbrook on your team, you expect him to take. 12 to 17 uh, shots a game. I'll do, I'll do you one better. If Russell Westbrook doesn't take a certain amount of shots, he's going to be a worse version of himself. Like you don't want a Russell Westbrook that you start, you suddenly start feeling like you don't need to guard at all as a scoring threat. Correct. That's actually and, a really right. bad idea. He took 19 for a frame of reference. He took 19 a game in Washington last year. Um, on this team with with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, do you want to nineteen? That's probably a little much. You know, twenty two, twenty three, twenty like he did in his heyday. No, but you go back to like the Oklahoma City days where he was around. You know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen when he was playing with those guys. Like that's kind of what you would expect. So if he I actually at fourteen. If he's my point is, Lakers fans, if he stays at fourteen, like he is, he is buying into the idea of being a a cog in this offense and it's a matter of like you say how do i find the best shots for me um the ones that work the best without like for example you know catch and shoot threes in rhythm good push try to get downhill finish at the rim good the play that i think where he was most uncomfortable on sunday that people might have seen uh was the one where steven adams kind of 
kept backing off of him a little bit and the Lakers didn't really have any secondary action. He basically just baited Russ into taking such a wide open 14 footer. If anyone's going to know how to do it, it's Steven Adams because they right. played together for years. He knows but, he's, but it was, but it wasn't like a it. step into it. Kind of the, sure. that, that classic Russell Westbrook mid range thing that at the very least he's confident in. This was one where it's like, okay, I know I really shouldn't shoot here, but I, I'm looking around and I don't see that's the kind of shot the Lakers are. I, I, you hope over the course of the season will be able to iron out. And for the most part, so like, it's not all tragic with Westbrook right now. It's just not smooth. But what yeah. they did in the second half, Andy, that I thought was good, and I'll let you, you know, I know you, was they used Russ in different ways. They used him to set screens for LeBron in the pick and roll. And a couple times that led to, you know, a great feed from Westbrook off the, the pick and roll to Davis. They used uh, Westbrook to screen away from the ball on a pin down to bring up. They're finding other ways to get him to move and spring him and and and, and make defenses pay attention to all three of those guys, which is really important. Yeah, it's also though interesting too because there are a lot of times where it's not even just the three of them; it's two of them, and specifically LeBron and Russ. You know, they they have been often playing together at the top of uh, second, fourth quarters without AD out there. At times, it's looked good. At times, it's been wonky. But like, I'm really glad to see them working through all of this stuff in real time. Like you and I were talking about this before the show. Like what they're dealing with right now, where where you see the cracks in the foundation, you see the things that don't work. Like it's the equivalent of a dress rehearsal in theater, or like the soft opening of a restaurant. Like this is where they're at. It's a complicated show, or I guess eatery that they're looking to put on. And like you're going to, whatever metaphor you want, it's, yeah, these are hard things to, to get right. You're going to have to deal with this one. stuff. Right. But along those lines, like I remember uh, like a week or so ago, you and I were having a conversation where you said that you didn't expect to see, LeBron and Russ play together much without Anthony Davis, and, and I didn't agree. And well, I expect what I said was I expected them to play uh, the big when they're split up. I expect LeBron and a, you know, what I expect is you will see more minutes with LeBron and AD and Westbrook and AD than you will see with Westbrook and LeBron without AD. Right, but so far we're actually seeing a fair amount of minutes. You're seeing of, some, I didn't think I didn't think it would never happen. Right, but you see more of the other stuff. It's been a decent chunk of minutes though, and and I bring this up not to like get into who's right or no, it's, wrong it's about important it. that I'm right. Well, you're not. Uh, you're actually pretty damn wrong. But I, I, and I, yeah, I'm not good at looking up who's on the floor when the other guy isn't. That's hard for me. Yeah, I know. Especially when it turns out you were dead ass wrong. But we'll it, the, the reason, though, that I, I bring it up, though, is I'm glad that they're doing it. Like I'm glad that they are going through what is obviously going to be the hardest thing: figuring out the the synergy between LeBron and Westbrook, because you have to be able to make the two of them work as a tandem on their own merits. And like, I remember when the trade went down, hearing a lot of people talk about how uh, Frank Vogel's likely just going to stagger them a lot and, you know, like minimize the time that you would have LeBron and Russ on the floor together. And my reaction was, no, that's not what's going to happen because that undercuts the point of doing it. And that's also the type of strategy that if you look to do that during the regular season, I think does make them really vulnerable to adjustments in the playoffs. Like if this is going to work with the two of them, it's going to work. If it's not going to work, you can't paper over it with half measures. So, I'm, well, I, I think I think it's one of these deals where they have to. They, both of those things have to be right. Like they, you fundamentally, the most important thing is 
the three of them working together. Sure, and of can you make it? And we saw a lot of the, again, a lot of that off ball screening action, all this stuff was was involved involving all three of them. Obviously, you want to be able to use Russ to lighten the load on LeBron. Um, hopefully, and a lot of that means those minutes that LeBron doesn't play can be a little bit longer and more productive because you have somebody like Westbrook to be able to to orchestrate things. But I think you are correct that, but it can't be that where where you avoid i was going to say if you are looking to avoid playing two of your three superstars together it won't work right that, the, that i want 100 like you can't be to the exclusion of it it just right. needs to be so you know do i think ultimately the waiting in the in the two of three is going to look the way i do and you know somebody out there can do the math and see where we're standing right now and all that Ultimately, yeah, I think that's what the waiting is going to be. But those two guys, absolutely, 100% agree with you. Those two guys have to be able to play together um, without AD on the floor. They have to be able to do that as well. Um, And especially since they're going to be games where AD doesn't play. So it's like, and you got to be able to to function in those games. Um, One guy, you know, I think we'll maybe we'll probably save Austin Reeves for uh, for Tuesday's show because. He's got a, a in two games that he's played, Andy, small sample size. His net rating is almost 59 um, on a team with a negative net rating. Did some Whatever. really analytics are for losers, Brian. I know. Did some really good stuff on Sunday um, that is worth talking about. But the 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 real star of the show tonight in terms of legacy, in terms of just uh impact play was Carmelo Anthony. And we talked about the six of eight from three-point range. We talked about the 28 points. Um, it was a spectacular night, a historic night for Carmelo Anthony. We'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars ever covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and healthy. They're great for the health conscious folks out there, whether you're trying to lose weight, maintain weight, but you still want something that tastes great, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, keto folks, dive into these, especially because they still taste great. As always, you got the original flavors, including coconut, raspberry, coconut, almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors like cherry barcia, lemon, almond, cheesecake, cookies, and cream. They just awesome taste combinations, unique, different. You will never feel like you are bored eating the same thing over and over. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at builtbar.com. This episode also brought to you by rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's impossible for your local auto chain parts store to stock everything that you need. And why endure pointless and seemingly intimidating questions about whether your car is an LX, an EX, an IX, an OX, whatever, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts in their computer, choosing the brand that maybe they want you to buy instead of the one that you really need. You have your own computer. You have one in your pocket. You have one at home. You go to rockauto.com and you're going to spend 30, 50, even a hundred percent um you know you know you're not going to spend that extra premium that the chain store or the car dealership is charging you example honda odyssey fuel pump 353 dollars from a chain store 216 from rockauto.com it's a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years reliably low prices for every customer including do-it-yourselfers so you go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car truck light right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so Sunday night, Andy, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the Lakers won essentially because they got some transcendent star-like performances from 
uh, stars. And you may not expect it from Carmelo Anthony, but he had a turn back the clock kind of night where he looked like a star player. And I don't know if they're going to get two games, two more games like this, five more games or 10 more games like this, but they got one on Sunday and it helped them win. And it was a particularly great night for, for Mello because it was, you know, it allowed him not only to help the Lakers get their first win of the season uh, to uh, make himself that much more popular with the, the home crowd, but it also bumped him up past Moses Malone into ninth, correct? In the all yes. NBA scoring list. All of these things put together made for a great Sunday for Carmelo. Yeah, I mean, Mello just had a monster performance off the bench. 28 points, 10 of 15 from the field, 6 of 8 from behind the arc. He Mello even had a, a transition basket set up by Malik Monk, of all people, when they, when they were on the run. But well, like, when you think Lakers fast break, you think Carmelo Anthony to Malik, uh, Malik Monk to Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, it's the new Showtime. Uh, plus, M- Mello even had two blocks. Like, and And it's interesting to say that, too, just – not just the idea that Melo has not now nor ever been known for his defense, but nights like these, Melo closed. When Melo is this hot, you will look past all of his defensive shortcomings. You will come up with a lineup where you can cover for him in, you know, in whatever configurations are necessary because he can become that transcendent a scorer. Like the thing about Melo. And guys like of his stature, no matter how old they are, we we saw this with Kobe, not not just like in the last couple seasons leading up to the Achilles tear, you know, where he was still Kobe, but you know he was starting to show a little bit more relative vulnerability. Like I'm talking about post Achilles, where Kobe was nowhere close to the guy that he was. You would still see defenders fight the urge to throw the double team at him. Even yep. though at times, like to be totally honest, there were nights where he didn't even need that hard of a single team. because he. Right. Just, it's like, why are you even devoting your best? You know, And a right. lot of times you started, teams would stop guarding him with his, their best player. But yeah, I mean, but, like there's a certain it, just it's muscle Kobe. memory that's built it's, into that. It is Kobe. Like Kobe has, as much as Kobe will go at times on insane, he would go on these insane three-point jags. Like, you know, where he'd hit like, eight or nine, like almost in a row, you know, he had, he set at one point a record for 12. I don't remember if it was consecutive, but it was certainly 12 in a game. The reality is Kobe on his career was an average to below average three point shooter. Mm -hmm. But again, he's Kobe Bryant. So you will never leave him open in the same way that Anthony Davis has never been a great three point shooter, but he's Anthony Davis. So you will never leave him open there. Carmelo Anthony could be playing this game at almost age 50, he's Carmelo. If Especially if he has a shot going, you will always guard him. Right, but and- the difference is, Andy, the way that Melo plays, and look, there are a couple shots where you go, mm, you know, on any other night, do I really want like some heat check moments for Carmelo, you know, whatever, turn back the clock, feeling it, all that stuff, where you hope over the course of the season, these are not what he's going to be taking normally. But I said at the beginning of the season, there's one guy on this team that I expect that I would bank on shooting 40% from three-point range this year. And he's the only one. Yep. Um, I think they've got guys who can come close. Certainly LeBron's shooting early this if, year as it was early last year. Has if been, Ellington's in the rotation, he's a right. guy that could do it. He could. Um, you know, Malik Monk did it last year. He could. Kent Bazemore did it last year. He could. 
Um, I'm not saying Melo is the only one who is capable. But he's I'm the saying, only guy that you feel like will. That's I, the difference. Correct. And so the difference between what you're talking about is, you know, with whether it's Kobe, whether it's AD, who I, I, I think teams are starting to lay off of a lot more now from three-point range. And, and they, still gotta that fight it. they still got to fight some, it. They still got to To some degree. Uh, but also, too, you know, the problem with AD, too, is that you, know, you have to respect his ability to put the ball on the floor. So you sure. can't really leave him alone in that way. But like you have to go guard Carmelo Anthony on the perimeter now because he's made mm-hmm. himself such a good catch-and-shoot player that he's got legitimate gravity in terms of how he does things. And most of his shots um, now, the bulk of his field goal attempts are three-pointers. And you know that that is what a good Carmelo balance ought to be. Last year in Portland, took 10 shots a game. I'm sorry, in the, in the postseason, I'm looking at postseason six. In the regular season, he took five, you know, five of his 11 shots a game were three-pointers. In the postseason, that 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 shrank, that range shrank. It was over six three-pointers a game against 10 field goals. This year, he's taken 12, almost 12 field goals a game. Six of them are threes. Like, that's what he is now. And, yeah. and you know, that is high-volume three-point shooting. And you have to respect it because he's good at it. Um, he's developed into a really, really good three-point shooter. Um, and yeah, to that degree, it's going to keep him on the floor, particularly right now with the Lake or the way the Lakers are defensively. It's like, yes, yeah, is, is Mello optimal there? No, but it's like, it's not like they have this Look, awesome closing defensive lineup that they're clinging it's to. It's also too, I mean, that, you know, you're giving up by putting Mello on the floor late. Like that doesn't exist either. Guys who can get that hot and teams that need scoring like that. You know, Jamal Car- Jamal Crawford by his own admission was an awful defender. Like we, you know, we've had conversations with Jamal. He is just an he's an awesome dude, but we'll also be He sticks up for himself a little bit more than maybe the rest of us do, but he is not pretending no, like no. He, you got to read between No, he's like no, it's not really my jam. Right, exactly. But Jamal Crawford would close you know, close high leverage games with the Clippers, you know, during like playoff runs and stuff like that because He's a scorer that you will never ignore. And as long as a guy like that has it going and you can figure out relative ways to paper over those defensive weaknesses, you keep him out there on right. the floor. And, and look, I mean, it, it eventually reaches a place with a guy like Crawford where the the, the, the returns are of course. obviously diminishing. He can't do it anymore. That's why yeah, of course. he you know, left the league before he wanted to. Um, and I don't expect this necessarily to be something they use from Carmelo all the time when, when the roster is healthy. Me neither. Yeah. And, but it was really, this is, and the other thing about this is, you know, it gets to, and you see the fan reaction on Sunday. You said, we had a, a, you know, one of the things we, we did a show about, you know, in the offseason was like, which of these new guys do you expect to be um, a fan favorite? Now, this is, of course, before any of us knew really about Austin Reeves. Uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a game changer there. But like, you know, the real answer to that question, I thought over the summer was Carmelo Anthony. And I think the answer the answer is still Carmelo Anthony. Oh yeah, um, he the like he is so incredibly likable and so incredibly easy to cheer for at this point in his career. And I don't care if you're not a Laker fan. Like you, if you sit and you listen to the way he talks about basketball and the way he talks about his career and the process of of burying enough ego to be able to become and find joy in being a bench player and and 
and and the the challenge giving himself the challenge of being able to do it and you just you know is a guy who's got so many things to say on so many different topics and it like it, it's it's awesome it's just it, you there are people that we talk to around the league when they when they were interested in mellow but sign up is like you know, like you guys people don't understand because they get caught up in you know what got him out of the league for a little while and you know the controversy around whether he was a good enough two-way player and a champion blah, 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 blah. like the dude is solid and he is there's a reason that every locker room he's ever in loves him yeah and I mean we are seeing that and I think fans are seeing it and if the if the Lakers are able to win a title part a lot of the excitement from fans is going to be in seeing Melo have an opportunity to win yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned how he's just an interesting, smart guy with like a with like a wide range of things that he is into doing. Years, years ago, this is at least I don't know ten, a dozen years ago, you and I did a freelance assignment for ESPN the magazine where we wrote a piece about him teaming up with Gene Simmons from Kiss um, because they they. Uh, what did they they bought it like a car no, I, they, I think it was an IRL they, team I yeah believe. they sponsored a car in IRL like a race like a team like they they were becoming the co-owners were, of this thing together right. and this is this was mellow really early in his career it may have even been longer than like a dozen years ago could have been closer like 15 or whatever but like you know it just it was interesting to have sort of our first entry into like a long form conversation with mellow having it be something so unrelated to basketball because he's somebody that 2006 yeah he he's somebody that's really had so, 15 so years many, ago so many different interests like he was one of the first guys who really started getting into like tech ventures and and things like that you know like starting to like diversify his portfolio so to speak and after this game like he you know he he talked about how uh he made a bit of a joke how the the guys gave him the game ball you know, because he passed Moses Malone and asked him to make a speech, and he said he was too tired. And post game talking with us, you know, he's sitting out there with like a like a to go cup of tea. You could see like the the tea bag, you know, the the string hanging out from there. And it's like he's an old man. Like he's an old man with stories now. Like he's an old man who is still an effective basketball player, still a really crafty scorer. Got to make sure that you play him to his strengths. But he's a really interesting dude. And mm-hmm. we get the opportunity to see those interesting sides of him. You know, it's it's no mistake that he and LeBron James and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade are such close friends. It's not just because they're four of the best basketball players to ever walk the planet and they're now all officially part of the top 75. They're all really interesting dudes with like a lot of different things that they, you know, they want to have yeah. they want to have their uh impressions on, you know, they want to yeah. be a part of. You know, yeah. people like that gravitate towards each other. And, and, you know, more in tonight in the Lakers are old. It's worth noting that LeBron played against uh, Zaire uh, Williams, who uh, played high school ball with Bronny. So he's now officially <laughs> Dwayne Wade's kid, too. Yeah, he's officially playing against kids who played yeah. with his son in high school. So, yeah, yeah they're old. Um, this is they're not making this up. Um, so, again, lots more to talk about with uh, with uh, Sunday's win, looking at what is a very critical stretch of games upcoming for the Lakers starting on Tuesday in San Antonio. Uh, but, you know, if the Lakers going to win some games, they're going to need to win the next few. Um, so we'll talk about that. A uh, lot to cover this week. Uh, thanks again for subscribing to Locked on Lakers on YouTube and again, making Locked on Lakers your first listen of every day. See you guys on Tuesday.